So Paul loves the church. He loves what it is that we're doing here today. He loves the fact that we've gathered in this place. Uh, You've come here for different reasons. You've come here through different means. Somebody invited you to come or you saw a banner or you saw it online or you know somebody that comes and you're, you're here. You're here for a purpose. So this week I was was thinking about a word for the church from the word. A word for the church from the word. Real a disclaimer. If you are here today and you would say, Brady, I, I'm really not a follower of Jesus. I'm not sure what I am. I'm still just trying to kind of make that, make that switch. Like I'm going to try to make that decision, but I really, I'm not there yet. If you are not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a part of his church, then you know what? You can just... Take a big deep breath and just kind of sit back and watch. But if you are a a follower of Jesus, if if the church, if the body of Christ is important to you, if it is valuable to you and you do as much as you can and as best you can to live out and be obedient to his teachings and his word, then this is for you today. And I want you to listen and obey. (laughs) Because it'll make Jesus smile today. I want you to hear what it has to say. Before we get into the word, I want, to, I want you to I'll give you a setup, a framework for how I, this stuff was working in my mind. So this week I watched KU's uh, seniors give their final speeches after their last home game. Now, whether you're a KU fan or not, if you're a sports fan or not, I don't know. But I was struck by the emotion because of the things that they were saying. They had a given four or five years of their life to their teammates, their coaches, and their fans, and their university. And this would be the last time that they stood on this court. Now, Frank Mason, who was an incredible basketball player, uh, started out by thanking God. He thanked his family. He thanked his son. It was his son's first time to ever get a chance to watch him play. He thanked his coaches, his teammates, fans, and he finished with the all-so-familiar phrase, rock chalk. And then he said this phrase, he says, I love you guys. Love was the theme of his talk. Later on in the week, my wife talked me into sitting down and watching a message from this guy named Francis Chan. All right, she, my wife hears from the Lord. She's got all this stuff. She's like, Brady, you got to listen. Brady, Brady, and I'm like, I'm sometimes like, it's overload. It's overload. I don't know what to do with all this, you know. But she got me. She suckered me into it, and I listened to this message. He was speaking to a bunch of pastors and ministry leaders. Are you guys familiar with who Francis Chan is? Look it up. Francis Chan, wrote a book called Crazy Love. And he was speaking to these leaders, and it was such a good word because he was encouraging leaders not to give up and to stand firm in the faith, especially in these difficult days. It would be easy sometimes as a church leader to, to just give in to culture and just go along with the flow. And he was encouraging to stand firm, stand true to the word. But the one part of the message that really touched me the most is when he asked all of them a question. He asked these leaders and these pastors, he says, do you love the people in your church? Do you love the people on your staff? Do you love your volunteers? No, I'm saying, do you really, truly love them? And so you combine these two moments you combine this reading of Paul and his love for the church, his prayers and his concerns and his suffering for the church. So it got me thinking. 
And I want to read real quick. Look in the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bible with you, okay, look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to be, we're just going to be kind of around this area, these letters that Paul wrote. And so if you have one of the books of the Bible, the, the New Testament that we're reading through, right, you can follow along in that too. We're in Colossians chapter 1. I want you to hear the words of this, this prayer that Paul prays for this particular church. It's, it's powerful. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. The faith and the love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and, and it's growing just as it has been doing among you since the day that you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who told, also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, it says, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with all knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Listen, he's praying these things for you. He's praying these things for the church, that you would bear fruit, grow in knowledge, be strengthened. It's kind of like wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. All power according to his glorious might so you may have great endurance and patience. Anybody need endurance and patience today? Anyone? Anyone? And joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. We have that because of our faith in Jesus. So I was listening to Paul and I was, I was reading and I was processing all these things that I've experienced throughout the week and I find myself, or I found myself thinking about you. Now don't get a big head. Oh, Brady was thinking about me because Brady loves me more than he loves them. Or don't start feeling guilty Oh no, Brady was thinking about me. Dude, what, did I, what have I done that Brady's thinking about me? Oh no, I'm in trouble. Or don't get creeped out by that thought. Oh, Brady was thinking about me? That's just weird. Why is he thinking about me? That's just not right. I was thinking about how we ended up here today, how we got here to this place, about this calling that God placed on, not only in my life, but in my heart, but in the hearts of others who who have um, been a part of our church since the beginning. I see Oscar and Felix over here. Oscar and Felix were just little guys, or littler guys. <laughs> when they first started coming to our church, before we were in a church, we were just meeting in homes. And here they are today. I was thinking about how amazing this journey has been. I was also thinking about how hard it's been at times, and how many times I wanted to quit and just go get a regular job. Yeah, I've had that thought more than once. And then I thought to myself, how miserable would that be? 
I mean, I wouldn't be able to go sit in the hot tub at the YMCA and have conversations. I wouldn't be able to stand and pray awkwardly in Starbucks with a guy from Pakistan in the middle of the day. If you haven't heard that story, go back and listen to the tapes. <laughs> but I really thought about how I wouldn't be able to hold your newborn baby at all hours of the night or day. I, I wouldn't be able to hold you when your father takes his last breath or I couldn't just drop what I was doing and answer your phone call when you just need to talk or vent or both. And I definitely wouldn't be able to watch you get excited about Jesus for the first time or for the millionth time. I wouldn't be around when you started to experience the joy of using your God-given gifts and abilities to serve him and serve his bride, the church. There's been great joy in watching you grow. I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking about the church. I think about your faces and your families. And I think about how or why you've chosen to come here. And why you've chosen to invest yourself in this church. There's many other churches, many other places that you could go. And I'm always honored that you show up each and every week. Paul continues to write these letters, and I want you to turn to Philippians now. It's right before Colossians, so you can turn back a few pages to your left. And listen to this prayer. Listen to what he has to say to his people that he's writing to. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, here's the thing that's encouraging to me. God, if God started a work in you, he's going to be faithful to complete it with or without me. He doesn't really need me to do it. He'll do it through you. He'll, he'll use someone, somehow, somewhere, somehow. He will finish what he started in you. God always finishes his projects. And you are his most supreme project as a human being. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how, long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. So here he is. He's praying for you again. He says that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Man, that's what he's praying for you. Okay, if you are a young man and you, if you're one of the young men that didn't come forward, actually just do this. If you're a boy, you're a male, I want you to stand up. All the boys, old boys too. Male, if you're a male species, stand up. Okay. Felix, you're a boy, stand up. It's okay. All right, I want you to know that I see you and then I love you. I see you and I love you. 
I want you to look around. I want you to see these other men. Some of them, you may not even know them. You may not know their names or whatever, but they need to know that you got their back too and that you love them. I mean, that's what we're called to as a church, is to love one another. I mean, that is like the most important commandment. Love God, love others. That's it, right there. So I see you, and I love you. Okay, you can sit down. And now that you know that I love you, I want you to know the Lord has a word for you today. No, no matter how old you are, how young you are, God has a word. If you're a husband, he gives instruction in Ephesians chapter 5 for loving your wives like Christ loved the church. Love, it says love your wives like you love your own body. And then I got this thought, really? Do you have any idea what I put into my body? And you want me to love my wife like that? I love my wife a lot more than I love my own body. But he said, who would, who would not take care of themselves? You know, if you're, you're going to take care of yourself, you need to take care of your wife. Now, if you're not married, maybe you will be someday. Or maybe um, God will choose you to just serve him faithfully and you won't get married. I don't know. Fathers, if you're a father here today, Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 says, don't exasperate, exorizo your children. Don't stir them up. Don't provoke them to anger. That doesn't mean don't discipline them, but it says don't provoke them. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. If you stay around here long enough, you'll understand the, the spiritual responsibility, training up your children, is not my responsibility. It's your responsibility as a parent, as a father. That's your main job. Raise your children in the fear of the Lord. Let them know who Jesus is. Let them see Jesus in you, loving your wife and loving the world around you. My son is not here today, and that's probably good because I don't want to embarrass him. But my son's actually on a road trip. He's in Dallas at a conference or a church with another young man. And it has not been an easy road raising this boy. Got him when he was 10 years old. Anybody have 10-year-olds around? He's already got a little attitude, got the rolling of the eyes. I remember the first day, six months in, when they finally told us, you can spank your son now if you need to. I was like, do I need to? Oh, yeah, I need to. I've needed to for six months now. And I remember him walking down the steps, and I told him, today your life will be different from now on. Por qué, Father? Por qué? Why? I said, because they said I can start spanking you now. And his eyes got real big. It's going to be different from now on. <laughs> and uh, it was different from then on. But he got to a certain age where he, it just got more difficult as he became a teenager. And I found myself provoking him and stirring him up to anger because I was not going to tolerate it. And I didn't handle it the right way. I, I too quickly pushed in when I needed to step back. Well, just recently... There's been such a switch in him. There's such a change in him. And you keep praying for him. His name's Powell. He's a precious young child of God. You keep praying for him. He, uh, he messaged me. He was frustrated about having to become an adult. Anybody there? Anybody there about frustrated about having to become an adult? <laughs> yeah, I still am. I'm 47. <laughs> Gosh darn it, why do I have to do this? Oh, because you're an adult. That's what adults do. Like, make my own breakfast. <laughs> no, I make my own breakfast. 
But um, anyway, so he, he was frustrated because it was time to like take that next step into adulthood. It's time to get your own car insurance. Can I get an amen? amen. Yes. Preach it, brother. Come on now. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, yes, the message I've been waiting for all these days. Get your own car insurance. Here's the number. I did some research for you. Boom. So he did. And it hurt his wallet. Stung him. <laughs> and uh, he was frustrated and he kind of lashed out a little bit. And I tell you, as I'm thinking about this verse, I could have provoked him to anger. I could have just got on the phone and said, you don't even want to know what I have to say about what you're saying. But instead I waited. And about three hours later, I get a phone call, and I get a text message from him saying, Dad, Russell, who's this guy who's mentoring him, encouraged me to get in the Word. So I opened up Philippians chapter 2, and I realized that uh, I was wrong. I'm sorry for lashing out to you. I love you, Pops. It's beautiful. Because in the past, I would have provoked him to anger. Because I would have been like, no, you don't talk to me like that. I'm your father. You know? Anybody ever been there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's a, guys, listen. It's a struggle, but it's a struggle because your role is so crucial in your kids' lives. And when you're not present, it has a dramatic effect on your children. You are called to lead them. Listen, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he tells men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. Without anger, without disputing, just lift up holy hands in prayer. In Titus, Paul writes and tells the old men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Now, young men, I'm not going to let you off the hook. This is a word for you millennials. Paul tells Timothy, a young man in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, that physical training is of some value Right? It is a value. I mean, we need to take care of ourselves. I mean, I'm doing a new workout now. It's called Dad Bod, Dad Bod 101. It's going pretty good. I'm really dedicated to it. <laughs> you know, you had Tybo, you had Insanity, you know, what was not Xbox, what is it? PX90 or something like that. <laughs> not Xbox. <laughs> this joke was a lot better in my head earlier this morning. <laughs> it was awesome. Didn't come out quite right. But anyway, the dad bod thing, that's pretty funny, though. you got to admit. Physical training is of some value. We should take care of ourselves, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I mean, you cannot lift and exercise yourself into eternity. I mean, yeah, you could. You could kill yourself, I guess, if you do it too much. But physical training is good, but spiritual training is so much more valuable. He went on to say, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But instead, you are called to set an example for the believers in speech, life, love, faith, and purity. Young men, you're called to set an example for others in the church. He tells them, give yourself fully to these things. Not just halfway. Everything that you've got, give yourself fully to these things. Now, ladies, stand up. All the ladies, all the single ladies, sorry, Sarah. Not just the single ladies, but all the married ladies. <laughs> all the ladies. 
Katie, you're a lady. Katie, the lady. All right, so look around. See these ladies. I see you, and I love you. Some of you more than others. (laughs) Some of you in different ways. (laughs) That joke was better earlier today, too. It was awesome. (laughs) All right, you can sit down. Oh, I love my job, by the way. Ladies, I want you to hear, I want you to hear me on this, all right? Don't, don't run out of here. Don't leave. But listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. It says that uh, you should submit yourself and respect your husband. If you're married, submit yourself and respect your husband. I know it's not easy. I know he doesn't deserve it most of the time. But your role is so crucial. I mean, it's crucial because, for one, man is not complete without you. I mean, think about the very beginning of time. God looked down and saw all these things that he created. He said it was good. But it says he noticed that man had no suitable helper for him. So God saved the best for last in all creation. He created you. He created, woe, man. He created this woman and he gave her to this man. I think a woman's job is so much like the Holy Spirit. You are a counselor. You're an intercessor. You're a comforter. You have gifts and skills that men will never possess because they're not supposed to because you're unique and created differently. You are the voice of reason And you are a voice of reminding. (laughs) And you know that's true too. Uh, Hey, you need to put your jacket on. Hey, you need to pick that up. Hey, you need to stop doing that or whatever. God has wired you that way. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul does say these words. Now listen, now hear me out. He says that women are to dress modestly. With decency and propriety, which means appropriate or fitting for the day. Appropriate. It doesn't have to be extravagant. Your hairstyle should be extravagant or expensive jewelry and clothes. But it said you should be uh, more generous or more extravagant with good deeds. Appropriate for women who profess to worship God. It's so much more about what we look like on the inside versus what we look like on the outside. And we are to demonstrate your love through good deeds by living and being faithful. And Listen, that doesn't mean you shouldn't dress nice, wear nice things. shouldn't mean you shouldn't sh- shop at LuLaRoe online. All right? Yes, I do know about LuLaRoe online. One time I, got, I accidentally stumbled upon one of those, almost ordered me a pair. They look comfortable. But we shouldn't be a distraction, right? You don't want to be a distraction and take the focus off what the focus should be on. And then there's a passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 15, that would be easy and probably prudent <laughs> just to skip right over. But I'm not going to. I'm going to jump into this. 
So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I wrestled with this a lot last night. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. Try to understand the cultural relevance of what was going on in the time and where this was, the church that this was being written to and what was going on in the city and why Paul would write such words. And he says, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. Now, I have seen men abuse women with these types of passages of Scripture and churches abuse women, and I promise you that is not what's happening here, all right? Because I see you and I love you and I value the gifts in the, in the ministry and the, the just sheer uh, passion and joy women bring to the church because we couldn't function without you. Remember, we were not complete without you. But he's telling them, because I think in that particular church, there was a culture, there were some young, especially young widows who were, who were running around and they were just being distracting to what, was trying, what they were trying to accomplish in the church. And Paul says, I, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Listen, we've had people leave our church because I let a woman get up here and speak. You know what? I'll let her come up here and speak again. Because she has a gift and she has something that she needs to share. It doesn't mean that she's leading the church, that she's obviously dethroned me and thrown me off the stage. Like, no. But women have something to say, and they can say it in a way that only women can understand it. For Adam, listen to this, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Now, it's interesting to me that in two different places, Paul writes that sin came to the world through a man named Adam. You know, so, so it, we're, just, we're not throwing Eve under the bus here and saying it's all her fault. Because my take on it was Adam was there and Adam was passive, and that's the worst thing a man can be in his home, passive, and just allow things to happen. He's got he's to be a leader. And it says, and this is this phrase that you could just skip right over and just, just keep on moving down the road. It says, but a woman will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness and propriety. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you can find salvation through having a baby. Or that is the only way a woman can be saved is through having a baby. Because I know some women who have not been able to have a baby. My oldest sister had several miscarriages and ended up finally just adopting three kids. And it doesn't mean because my, daughter, my sister couldn't have a natural child, she's not saved. Because salvation comes through faith alone by the grace of God because of what Jesus has done for us, right? That's salvation. It's not through this. Because that's not what he's saying. And there's been lots of debate and research and study and just like and opinions on this particular issue. And, and I, as I wrestled with it, I wanted to share, uh, I wanted to share, I'm gonna read it to you in a different way, okay? This comes from the Message um, Bible, and listen to what it says. I don't let women take over and tell men what to do. They should study to be quiet and obedient along with everyone else, okay? Adam was made first, then Eve. Woman was deceived first, a pioneer in sin, but with Adam right there on her heels. On the other hand, her childbearing brought about salvation, reversing this curse that Eve had on her. 
But this salvation only comes to those who continue in faith, faith in Jesus, love, holiness, and gathering it all into maturity. You can depend on this. I think that, here's a reality. Salvation came to the earth through the birth of a child. And only a woman can do that. Can I get an amen to that? Only women can do that. Only women have enough stamina and endurance to have a baby. I'm just telling you right now. I could barely make it through a one-hour exercise class. Women can go through 15 hours of labor, have a baby, and then moments later hold them in their arms and have a smile on their face. Something unique about women in order for that to take place. And so as you, as you think about this, as you see these passages of Scripture, don't just look at it and say, oh, well, that's what it says, you know, and women have to do this or whatever. And I think churches have, have gone to the extreme and made it very difficult for women in the past. Does that make sense? All right, can we move on from there? In Titus chapter two, verse three, he encourages older women to be reverent in a way, in the way that they live, not to be slanderers. Now it says addicted to much wine. Interpret that however you want to. (laughs) But to teach what is good. Then, listen, then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, I just say not to be lazy, and to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one can speak bad of the word of God. You know what, when you love your husband, whether he deserves it or not the right way, it just shows, it brings glory to the Lord. It makes God's word come alive in people. When my wife loves me that way, it, it convicts me because it just causes me to want to love her back that way. And if she treated me the opposite of that, it would probably push me away. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, so when you love that way, so older women, listen, look around you, find a younger woman that you can pour into and encourage her. Listen, they say 50-some, 50 59% of whatever, of millennials um, will not ever return to church. And one of the reasons why, because older people aren't investing in them. They don't want to listen to them. They don't feel like they have anything to offer. But the reality is they do. They have gifts and abilities that they can share. They can build the church right now. And so older women look for um, opportunities to mentor. And the same thing for men. Mentoring is needed for both sexes. Older men, you have gifts and abilities and skills that you can teach these younger guys. Listen, I needed that when I was a young man because my dad didn't have time or patience for me and I didn't know how to fix anything when I got married and bought a house. I was worthless. We didn't even have YouTube back then. We didn't have DIY. You know, I was, I was just toast. It was not good. And of course, all throughout Paul's letters, and we're about, we're, we'll wrap this up, all throughout Paul's letters, he reminds all of us how we are to live together in this new humanity. Now, if you've read this stuff, this is going to be familiar. If you haven't read it yet, you're going to come across it uh, when you do. So here's what it says, and we'll finish up our time together. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are to live a life worthy of this calling that we have received. We are to be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do you know that when you live a life of love and you give yourself up for the gospel, you smell good? Do you smell good today? 
Or do you stink? (laughs) If we have been blessed by being united with Christ, then we should have the same attitude as him. Jesus left heaven and came to earth to serve us. Therefore, we should be willing to serve one another. He set the example for us. We are to set our hearts and our minds on things above where Christ is seated. And there are probably a few habits and hang-ups in our life that we've brought with us today that we need to put to death. If God brings it up, then ask him to give you the strength to throw it out today. And finally, the Lord has a new wardrobe picked out for you in this new life he wants you to live. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. I love that. Put up with each other. (laughs) Easier said than done sometimes, isn't it? Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I share these words with every couple that I do their wedding. (laughs) And overall, these virtues, it says, put on love, which is like the all-purpose garment that binds them all together in perfect unity. And there's that word again, love. (laughs) Love is the theme. It's the theme of Paul's message. It's the theme of God's word. It's the theme, or it is to be the theme of our church. It's to be the theme of your home. And it's the theme of this morning as you sit here and, you th- and I want you to think about how much God really sees you and how much he loves you. And does that love make a difference in your life? I hope that it does. We're going to sing a song. And during the song, we're going to give you a couple opportunities. If you need prayer, did Brady leave? Did he come back? Brady, come here. Brady and, and Trish, would you stand down here? And so if you need prayer, we'll have Brady and Trish standing over here. Um, we're going to give you a practical way to live out this love. These grocery bags are just plain empty grocery bags. And then there's a shopping list. And they go together. So take one of each or one shopping list and several bags if you want. But we are collecting items for the treasure chest. It's this program that the school uses to bless local families. And it gets used every week and it gets depleted every week. And so we have to keep resupplying their needs. And so it gives you a list of some things. This is a shopping list you could use personally, but also reminds you of some things that you can use for treasure chest. And so here's what you do. You just go shopping, fill up this bag, and you bring it back to church. And there's a blue tub right outside the door, and you just set this in the tub, or if it's full, set it next to the tub, and you're done. That's all you have to do. So when you go to the store this week, think about the needs of other people, and if you are able to, meet that need and so during the song the invitation is to come if you are able to 
take a list, take a bag. And uh, if you need prayer, come and pray. That I'm going to uh, share with you today comes from the book of Ephesians. And Paul is once again praying for the church. And so just, just take this as you go today. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the saints to grasp how wide how long, how high, how deep, how marvelous <laughs> is the love of Christ. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Wouldn't it be awesome today to be filled with the fullness of God? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his great power that is, work, that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Bless you as you go today. If you came prepared to give and worship or worship through giving, uh, there's baskets on the way out the door. If you have your attendance sheet, please fill that out. Drop it in the basket as well. Um, visit with someone around you. Get to know someone else around you today. And uh, thank you for blessing the treasure chest. Be blessed.